We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. The Arsenal Vision post-match podcast today will be preempted by one hour of Tony Pulis screaming about refereeing decisions. Nah, we'll just do the podcast instead. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Despite all the episodes we have done, I still can't seem to say this is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. But bear with me. We've got a whole podcast to do, and some of it will be delighting in Tony Pulis' misery. Uh, some of it will also be breaking down the tactical switches and incredible detailed play. That no, Whatever. Anyway, Paul's here. You can find him on Twitter at Pause in My Pants. Hello, Pause. Woo! Sorry, went a little too early there. A little yep. premature. Yeah, it happens to me all the time. Clive is here. You can find him on Twitter at Clive. Uh, no, uh, uh, Clive PAFC. Hi, Clive. That's the one. That's Hello. the one. Hey, I'm doing a great job today. You know what? The professional thing be to hit stop, do it over right at the beginning. I can do a better intro, make it a little smoother, and do the introductions. But fuck that. We're sticking with it. So You're at an 83% completion rate at the moment. You know what? That's still better than Aaron Ramsey on Monday, so we'll dive into it. Um, look, this was a win that in the end was made to look comfortable, but it started out a little bit ropey. So, Paul, I'm going to start with you and just do multiple choice uh, so that you don't ramble on, okay? Very simple multiple choice question. All right? Good, lo- good luck with that. Mustafi. Yep. Bad center back or the worst center back elliot it's complicated <laughs> all right fine so no so all kidding aside i mean he yeah th- 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 the story of this game is really about arsenal being professional getting the job done and and once we had the two goals really just closing it out uh comfortably but the story of the game could have been different 
if that had been a penalty and a red card. And and really, for the first half hour, he was diving around the pitch like there was grease all over it. I mean, it, was his performance for the first 30 minutes really the story for you and his lack of composure back there? No. Um, so <laughs> here's what I think on poor old Mustafi. So we play the suicidally high line. Can you believe we were in for Johnny Evans this summer, who's a good centre-back by all accounts? You're either too close to the microphone or you've got cotton balls in your mouth. Oh, you can't hear me? No, I can, I can hear you just fine. I'm just, I'm getting the, um, the sort of like, that thing. Oh, I don't, I don't it's really okay. know what that is, but we'll, we'll see how we get on. Yeah, keep um, going. You're fine. So, um, I mean, how would Johnny Evans have done with a suicidally high line? We've only got Kishalny with enough pace to cover... A bo- I mean, the the ball that got Mustafi into trouble, he should have stayed on his feet, but he's getting a little scarred by these Pedro runs, Mustafi, or sorry, Evans, ball over the top to, uh, who was it, uh, Jay Rodriguez. Um, there was another ball shortly afterwards that uh, Kishelny ran down with Mustafi. So a lot of, uh, there, aren't, there aren't too many centre-backs who are fast enough to run with strikers over the top. I mean, it's just, it's a lot to ask for, of any center oh, okay. forward the way we work. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't debate that at all. Having said that, once you're in one-on-one positions with, with those players, I mean, there, is still, there still has to be some understanding that diving in, especially in, in the box and in that way, is a huge risk. And that, you know, your best chance is you get the ball, obviously, but... Any other outcome, it's a penalty or the the player is in and you have no cover behind you. And, I mean, it's not just that he's doing it uh, back in his box when when he's, you know, chasing back. He's doing it a lot. I mean, he we've talked about it on the pod before. It's not something that just popped up this game. I mean, he, he does seem to go to ground quite often. And I, I think... Um, Clive, you know, we, we talked about this on a previous pod, just that I said I think it's a lack of confidence that he doesn't rate himself to be able to handle the one-on-one situation, and so he rolls the dice and goes all or nothing. Is there, I mean, do you have an answer for us, a definitive answer as Paul and I fumble around in the dark for one? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I was that player. I used to go to ground all the time, just like that. Slide tackling, slide tackling, slide tackling. And the reason why, I was playing at my physical limit. And you go to ground, players that go to ground are ones who are trying to make up the physical difference, the physical gap. I spotted that in Mustafi, even on the YouTube videos before we got him. All his highlights were slide tackles in corners of the pitch, different areas, smashing in early. He does, he jumps early, gets runs and jumps for headers. So he runs from the side primarily and gets a long run and jump so he can make up for his lack of height. Mustafi is a, you know, we have to compare the week before against Chelsea where he played a fantastic game against a very good set of forward who scored a hat-trick a week later. So football will always bite you. He looked very secure. For some reason in this game, he looked like he was running in treacle from the first minute. Um, and, and he was going to ground again, which, which for me tells me he was physically challenged. And the reason he was physically challenged was not just because of the high line pull, it's because West Brom moved the emphasis of their game much higher up. They played two strong running forwards. 
and they recognise that Arsenal get their flow and confidence from passing across our back three. And we settle our defenders down, then we then we move it either down the side or we go into Shaka and we go from there. And that's how we get our rhythm, that's how we get our flow. And West Brom were very cute. They they played their two forwards high, Rodriguez and Robson Carnu. And they just got them running and working. And it just unsettled us. It unsettled our back three, apart from Monreal. It unsettled Shaka. And they put him under pressure. And every time we played a square pass in centre midfield, they picked us off. And um, we played too many square passes. So Mustafi definitely is a player that has to be at his physical perfect limit to play a really good game. The moment he feels a little bit tired or under strength, we get that player. We get a player making quick decisions, early decisions, trying to make up for his lack of physical dominance and confidence. Mm -hmm. And I just think, I purely think it's a size thing. He's a he's an ex-fallback who lost a bit of agility and speed and made himself more aggressive and switched between centre-half and defensive midfield when he's Sampdoria and he's settled on centre-half he is a good centre-half in the three in my opinion not dominant enough for one in the two and when he feels challenged he goes to ground and um, that's what we've got look I, I mean he has his, his advantages too I mean we saw him make some nice passes with the ball at his feet he, he can still break lines from the back although I feel like he's doing it less than when he first came into the team um, I just think that the desire to go to ground as often as he, he does is costing us and I you know I think Clive those are all interesting points but I feel that Paul now is going to come back and tell you why you were wrong and uh I feel confident <laughs> at this point that Paul will settle the, the argument once and for all so Paul please uh, uh tell us now what the actual answer is well I, I guess I just uh, so I fully agree with Clive however I differ on a number of material points um which is Look, he's got to do a bit of this going to ground because he's not as fast as some of the strikers. And usually he pulls it off. Um, yeah. Uh, dropped him, dropped it, dropped him in at last week against Chelsea in my book. That was uh, Mustafi had two men to mark. I think he's a bit scarred by a few of these moments. And he got this one wrong. I think he was maybe compensating for... You know, the last time he was in one of these situations, um, I think the way we play is extremely hard on central defenders. And I wonder who the heck you can bring in who's going to look great besides Gashelny, who has this incredible recovery speed. Who else could ever look good in our back line? Johnny I present Evans, for your, uh, I submit for your approval, Nacho Monreal. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's got Kalasinac on his side and he has been, he looked pretty poor at times last year as a fullback wingback when he didn't have the required speed against uh, his guy. And he's kind of been looking recent. He's kind of been lucky recently that the attacks have come down the other side. Um, you know, uh, Mustafi hasn't had to cover uh, the ball over the top for Monreal as he has for Koscielny. I mean, th those are both balls that went into areas Koscielny could have been back for too. So um, 
he, he's getting a lighter workload from the Monreal side, and I just think we're very, very. He, he's the central midfielder. He's the central centre back. Sorry, so he's the one who's supposed to have all the pace to cover, and really, Koscielny's got that pace, but he's not as good, maybe a distributor, and not as good a shouter. So, mm-hmm. ideally, I'd like to see Mustafi to the right of Koscielny because Koscielny will cover anything that goes over the top for any of the three centre backs. Clive, would you yeah. like to continue yeah. the debate? I mean, look, we're, no, we're only we, 10 think... minutes in and have only discussed Mustafi, <laughs> so we're right on pace for what I had outlined for the pod. Yeah, four and a half hours. Yeah. No, I, I think... Um... I think me and Paul agree, right? And it's just yeah. it's just new it's just nuances to the performance. And let's remember that he he smashed Moretta last week, and none of us were complaining about. He was him. great. Well, yeah, apart from Elliot, I thought he was great. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic, and he just made a little mistake. And what what happens is when Gareth Bray got he played a great ball down the line, and it was quite quick. And as I said in the back, what you got to do is got to recognise when there's no pressure on the ball, and you see your partner pressing, you've got to drop off. And I just felt he did not respect Jay Rodriguez's pace, as neither did I. I mean, this is a player that's had multiple cruciate injuries and has spent a lot of time injured at Southampton, had nearly two years out, and I did not know he could move like that. You know, and he really sort of surprised me, you know, and so I thought he was caught and he panicked. He panicked and that was it. And I'm not going to rush the judgment on him because the Chelsea performance was tremendous against a very, very good team and none of us were complaining. It just shows that maybe a lack of consistency, which he's not the only player in our team to have that issue. To be fair, I mean, when Koscielny first showed up at Arsenal, he was good, but he made his fair share of mistakes, and a lot of them had to do with going to ground. He gave away a lot of penalties. Um, and maybe it's just the fact that, as an Arsenal defender, you really need it hammered into your head that, hey, look, you're going to be, fen- you're going to be defending on an island a lot with no support in crisis conditions, and you just have to you know, develop a, a strong resistance to PTSD and handle it. You know, I mean, you're going to be put under pressure in one-on-one situations. And, I mean, there's no amount of of training that can prepare you for the kinds of situations that, that you get put in as a center back. Anyway, I mean, I, I think, you know, it wasn't a great start for Mustafi, and we, we did ride our luck. The one thing that I think gets lost with the penalty kerfuffle is the incredible save that Czech made Yay. Uh, from the chance. And, you know, Petr Cech has, has come in for some criticism, uh, particular last season. I think mm. he started this season really well, and that save was really tremendous. So certainly, I, I think a little credit, a little shout to, to Petr Cech, who's been very good this season and who you know, saved our ass in that situation. It was a tremendous save uh, down to his left, tipped the ball around, or, or off the post anyway, and then the, the follow-up was obviously uh, badly missed by Livermore, I believe. Was it Livermore? Yep. Yep, right. Okay. So, well, Paul, I mean, that, that's an interesting point then, though, because the, you know, if that's the save of the match, the other best save of the match was Nacho Monreal's, the, the clearance off the line. Just an incredible uh, athletic clearance over the bar right off the line. I thought he was brilliant in this game, and I think he really has been brilliant this season. And he's a player that we bought for 10 million uh, euros, I believe. A player that has, has not received a lot of attention since he's arrived at the club, despite the fact that he was probably bought to be the backup to Gibbs and made himself mm. undroppable, um, made Gibbs expendable, and has now become one of those dependable players who can be put, played at fullback in a back four, center back in a back four, wing back or center back in a back three. And, you know, while he, he has had some poor performances overall, 
certainly by Arsenal defender stand, standards, the fact that he has held up as well as he has is is really remarkable. And, and he's done so with very little credit. And to be fair, as someone who criticizes Arsene Wenger quite a bit for his business, this is a, a, a clever piece of business that has just flown under the radar. How impressed have you been with the way Monreal started the season and in particular the performance he had against West Brom? I think he's been superb. I mean, that clearance off the line puts the spotlight on the performance and on him generally, but he's been that good, if not quite as dramatic, for basically this whole uh, start to the season. He's been absolutely excellent, technically so strong. Uh, he's just brilliant over on that left side. He makes it all click. And when you, especially when our midfield is going to be under so much pressure as we were against West Brom, I mean, they crowded the midfield. The first half, you know, fair props to West Brom. They weren't going to be able to do that for 90 minutes. Uh, but they put tremendous pressure knowing that we were going to knock it around our back three. And I thought Monreal in particular was was exceptional. In, he had one fluffed ball into Chaka, which dropped him in, which is was so out of the ordinary that it just hits in the face. Overall, he, he's just great. He's so smooth, so clean. I mean, any guy can juggle oranges with Santi Cazorla in the kitchen and flop it back into the fridge, you know, you're not going to knock that guy. I mean, he's got he's got the skills. That Oh, there was the run up the uh, the left wing where Kalasinac did his uh, Monreal. He did a Monreal, as we've decided to call it, that thing where he leaps forward and intercepts the ball to the attacker, the preempting the attacker, nipping around and uh, picking it away from the midfielder. So Kalasinac did it this time, uh, dribbles up, puts... Uh, Monreal, think I think through and a great little run through, and then there was a, another one. wasn't Wasn't there another one with um, uh, Sanchez putting the ball through to mm-hmm. Monreal? So he had his moments both ends of the pitch, but uh, you know overall he's just he's he knits it all together. He's absolutely great point to point connecting the dots. So yeah, and, yeah, and I, I think, think he's been superb. It is so important that we have him because from a position where we thought we had a lot of numbers and center back, you know, Mertesacker, for whatever the reason, doesn't appear to be in the manager's thinking for the first team for Premier League games and Gabrielle is gone and Holding looks a little short of confidence and Chambers is, you know, not really in the reckoning, I would say. And so now this back three is the one that has to stick and Monreal is is making it stick and, and that is a really important part of why we look like we can defend all of a sudden. And it's been, you know, other than a fluky goal against Cole, and it's, we've now got a long time uh, keeping a clean sheet, which is nice to see. Clive, we talked... Uh, a fascinating question. We don't need to get into it now, but maybe we can come to it at some stage. What would we do if we switched to a back four and you got the choice of Monreal and Kalasinac? Well, I mean, I think Kalasinac would have to play out wide just because he's giving us so much uh, in attack right now. I think it depends whether your priority was defensive solidity or or, or attacking. Um, I also think there's a possibility that you could pick Koscielny and Monreal at, as the center backs. Um, you know, I don't I don't know how much the manager trusts Mustafi, as we know there was the potential that he was willing to let him go this summer. So we may get to find that out. I mean, we will certainly see throughout the season. There will be times when we switch to a back four in the middle of the match, and it'll be curious to see who gets sacrificed. Um, not like a human sacrifice, because that'd be a silly thing to do in the middle of switching formations. Um, anyway, Clive, we, we talk about the midfield a lot on this podcast because it's a football podcast, and that's part of football. Um, so l- let's talk about what didn't work for the first half. 
we, we've spoken about how when we get pressed, that two-man midfield doesn't look like it can operate as efficiently. And, and on this day, it was Elneny and Shaka. Um, and they really struggled to impose themselves, at least in the first half. The ball wound up going out wide a lot, where Bellerin in particular got forced up against the touchline and, and had a hard time playing out. And I think we tried to play out too cleverly sometimes instead of just taking the safe ball, and that put us under pressure. But as someone who has not particularly rated El Nenny, this was a good chance to see whether he offers a little more control with Shaq in the midfield. How do you think that midfield duo fared versus the Ramsey Shaka duo in the past. I, I like it. I've, I've always liked it, but I always feel a little bit underwhelmed with it as well. I think um, sometimes there's just games for them and, and there's other games when you go one nil down when you want something else. So um, I, I don't mind it, but I also, El Nenny was, was really, really good in my opinion. Mm. And um, I, I think he's... A lot of um, people are saying that. I mean, can, can you elaborate? Because I, I thought in the first half... He was kind of just there. I agree in the second half as we made the game safe. He did a little bit more. I mean, what what did you think he brought to the game that maybe we don't get when Ramsey's in that position? Okay, it's a, it's a bit more of a collective answer. Do you mind if I go into it a little bit? I do, <laughs> but I, think... I don't have any way to cut your mic through Skype, so I guess this is where we are now. <laughs> well, we, they, they pressed us, as I said earlier, and that affected our quality going forward. And they did it perfectly. That meant we, were, we had to go long. They made check kick it. So we weren't flowing through the thirds, really. So that's why we couldn't they see them on the ball. They had three DMs in midfield pushing yeah, and forward, they... and they had two forwards. Um, they they created a lot of pressure for our mid. You know, yeah, I, I just, think we got to so, put some slack in that first half. Exactly. So what West, uh, what West Brom normally do when they come to us, they try to nick you on the break. They played fast wingers, and they sit deep. So they have a low block, and then they spring from a low block. What they did this time is they... they pushed higher they set four or five people up higher and made us work and made our quality of pass into midfield struggle and i felt we struggled to receive the ball i thought we struggled to receive the ball on the half turn i wrote a little note earlier on about shoulders right and so when you receive on the half turn you receive it with your shoulders facing the touch lines and you're on the back foot and you flow and turn in one movement ramsey can do it and then he can do it and and Urzel does it all the time, and I think we missed Urzel that difficulty, that buzz pass through the lines, and that ability to receive it on the half turn and flow through the team. And then once we flow through the lines, then our centre mids that we have, they they're there to set the play as as a platform, ring the box, and circle it round the horseshoe. Right. So I felt they were forced to fight for their possession, fight for control. And I thought they looked, both of them, but Shaka in particularly, in the early stages, they were challenged physically. Elneny overcame that challenge <laughs> with pure running ability and mm-hmm. athleticism and just metronomic movement. And he refused to be bowed. So he just outran his, you know, his opponents. But I, I felt that Shaka, I don't think you're going to come on to him later. I was really concerned about Shaka. I, thought, I yeah. felt he was, he was really... And I'm a huge fan. Even when he has a bad game, I can see his power. I can see his pace of pass. He punches the ball. He's got a hard shot. He's got long diagonals. You never feel as though he's, when the ball's at his feet, that he's physically in, in, in a problem. But I felt his passes were under hit. They were square. They were tentative. His athleticism then was never great, but he's been working a lot harder lately. I felt he dropped down a level physically. And... 
I don't think it's anything to do with the partner. I'm looking at him and how he looked and how I felt when he had the ball. And I just didn't feel comfortable with him in the early stages of that game. And the same for Mustafi, actually. So I don't know, again, not rushing to judgment, because for all we know, he might have have been ill the day before, might not have trained for two days. We don't know anything. But he looked underpowered for sure. Well, Nenny then took He's had a rough start to the season, to be honest. I mean, it hasn't been his best start to the season. He has. He's been inaccurate. And, of course, Jack's back on the scene. There's a lot of the fan base want to see Jack in that position. Um, So, you know, I'm just looking at him and say, even when he was making mistakes earlier, I felt he was working hard. He looked powerful and he looked, he had a good intent about him. I felt he looked tentative last night and a little bit weaker and not dominant at all. I think he may just need a rest. He looks shattered. Yeah, he definitely needs a rest. I mean, he he just wasn't playing the vertical passes as effectively as as he has. Um, I wonder if some of that was more about him and El Nenny being more parallel. He was definitely playing in a more advanced role, and I think his worst performances for Arsenal have come when he gets more up the pitch. He I've always felt he's better deeper, seeing the game in front of him, being able to spray that range of passing that he can. Those long uh, passes wide to, to the wings and. Uh, uh, line-breaking vertical passes. But you know what's interesting? This is where statistics can be really useful because I felt that he was sloppy, that he was giving it away, that he wasn't as effective as as he could be or should be. And then I went and looked at the statistics, and he completed 93% of his 69 passes, second-most passes only to Elneny, and completed them at a 93% clip when this season he's been averaging closer to 80%. So... It's funny how a couple of bad giveaways in your own half can stand out and then color the performance, when in fact, while he wasn't as progressive in his build-up play, he was safer than he's been this season. And that's really been the problem for him this season, is giving the ball away. Where I thought the problem was, was that Ramsey didn't fit into this role the way I thought he would. I thought him, I have said for a while that I thought one of those two behind the striker would really suit him. And boy, was I wrong, at least on this day. So we'll come to that in a second. Paul, uh, a final word on the midfield too, and then let's let's come on to Ramsey. Yeah, um, I, I guess I'd say, it, to me, it's one of those things, if you watch it a second time, you parcel it into the good and bad. I think, it, obviously, the second half went great. The first half, West Brom crowded the midfield, Lots of pressure, lots of energy, lots of pressing. I still think we played pretty good. Um, you know, if you take if you take out that moment, uh, the Mustafi moment, we pretty much run the game until just before the forty minute mark. Then they have a really good four or five minute period, and some possession corners, set pieces, etc. But actually, I think we were pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I'd parcel it into. Some not so good in the first half, but mostly down to West Brom doing a really good job, being very organized, pressing forward, uh, loading the midfield. I think we're actually, if you allow for that, I think we're actually pretty good, not brilliant. Well, and I think the, sti- the statistics support the idea that the West Brom plan was to crowd the midfield and force us wide. Because if you look at it, on average in most games, Ramsey is our our second most frequent touch and pass player, right? I mean, or Ozil, but it's, you know, it's it's Shaka and Ramsey. It has been the last few games. And this game, he played the second fewest passes of any starter besides only Lacazette, had the second fewest touches of any starter besides only Lacazette, and completed 69%. That's uh, in the first half. He was a little better overall in the second half, but finished the game in the low 70s, 72, I think. Point is, that's really, really bad by his standards. 
And I think that is reflection of the fact that he wasn't dropping into the midfield to link with Shaq and Elneny as effectively, and that he he seemed the one the most uh, shut out of the game by the way they crowded the midfield. And I don't know if that is because of the flaws of the players behind him to get him the ball or the flaws in his movement and knowing how to link with that midfield. I thought that's where we missed Mesut Ozil. Mesut Ozil is our best player at finding space to be available to receive the ball. I think, and I thought Sanchez jumped into that role quite he, effectively. He did, and, and he had, and yeah. had, you know, look, Sanchez is always going to be a guy who drives you nuts because when he loses the ball, it's frustrating, and he over elaborates at times. But Sanchez did good things in that game, and again, Sanchez. Uh, I um, thought Sanchez was brilliant. Yeah, no, Absolutely no, no, absolutely brilliant. I agree. I mean, uh, yeah, go, go and ahead. I'd like sorry. to come back to a conversation we, I kind of missed out on maybe the last part or two, um, where you know we were kind of defending his right to to lose the ball because he mm-hmm. does that one or two things a game. Uh, and I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. I think uh, I personally felt like slamming him recently because I think he's been a cost to us now, understandably he hasn't been fit and he's out of form, but I think that's a fair criticism to make of him because this Sanchez is the Sanchez I want to see. And I think he's capable of, I thought it was absolutely great. Uh, absolute l- top level, in terms of man of the match performance and, you know, proving the manager right, if you want to take it that way, that that uh, Sanchez wasn't up to par, wasn't up to snuff, needed to get fit, and that when he gets his attitude right, this is what you get. I thought he was absolutely excellent across the board. I still, I still feel that when he gets pushed out to the touchline a little bit and and forced out wide, we don't get the best of him. You know, I, I, you know how I feel about seeing him in the center yep. striker position or I- exchanging passes more on the edge of the area. There were a couple of moments there where he, he played little one twos with Lacazette, and I thought that was a really those were br- really bright spots in the game. I'm not sure about the rapport between him and Ramsey. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I, I don't just mean as people; they clearly don't seem to enjoy each other tremendously, which is fine. They don't have to. But, I mean, even in their playing style, this was a game where I actually think Mesut could have been hugely advantageous for us to just help us get past that press, pop up in spaces that give Shaka and and Elneny another option besides going to the wingbacks, and then let Alexis and Lacazette move into the spaces in in between the lines. Um, Honestly, I I thought it was fine. It it Um, worked fine. We had a bit... Yeah. Look, when their press faded, Paul... And yeah. as it had to, because they couldn't keep yeah. that intensity up there. You know, they're not Liverpool. They're not Spurs. Then the game became very easy for us. But we had to yeah. ride it out a little bit. Uh, Clive, I think... Our our real issue was our vulnerability to the counterpunch. You take away those two or three situations in the backfield for us. And you look at that whole that first half totally differently. Yeah, and look, there, there are the one thing Pulis teams are really good at, which makes them a huge pack of cunts, is when you do get around that press or when you do find a way to start playing through them, they're going to niggle you and foul you and push you down and elbow you in the head and you know do those those things that stop your fluency and your moves. So it's hard to get into a rhythm with those teams because either they're just choking off your midfield possession or they're fouling you to to break up a move and. Foul, you know, rotational fouling was a part of their plan on this day, as it always is for Pulis. Um, and, you know, look, we talked about the call that they could have gotten for the penalty. 
That would have changed the match, but on the balance, I just thought it was a poorly refereed game overall. We had two penalty calls that we could have gotten. The one we did get is maybe 50-50. I think their players got away with a lot of fouls and and certainly one that could have been a a second yellow for a red card because if you get two yellows, that's a red card. Uh, Anyway, Clive, I mean, Ramsey, more more advanced position, um, at least in terms of the setup, didn't work the way I expected it to. Were you kind of surprised at, at how he struggled to impose himself in the game? Yeah, not not really. I think um, Ramsey... Are you ever surprised no, by I, anything in football? I mean, look, when, it's, it's all I'm coming too up. easily for you now. Oh, uh, you think, let's think this through, right? Ramsey <laughs> I, is I try a, not to. Is, <laughs> Ramsey is a four-saw player, and, and he, he runs big distances. He likes to run distances. When he feels good, he likes to go. You know, to be fair to him, let's let's give again. Let's go back to Chelsea, where he was very very disciplined. And when he did go, he had not only sent the midfield partner to stay there, but Iwobi filled in for him, which allowed him a license. And I thought Iwobi played the link role that we asked Ramsey to play last night very very well and defended very very well. So what does that what does what does this do when Ramsey's in that position? He immediately tried to almost do an Azul type um, mimic or copy and that puts him into small spaces and that puts him into areas where his technical ability and technical security in small spaces is challenged. And let's be honest, we know he's a strong running player. He's got a um, He's got a most thorough work rate. We know he can run all day. But small spaces, that's not what he is. He likes to bound big distances. He likes to make timing into runs. And he likes to, he's learned to run laterally now. I think it's actually, I don't know if you've noticed a little bit of change in style when he receives the ball. He's sort of getting the ball, turning in and turning out back into space he's just left. And he's trying to add a bit of technical security to his game. And I, and I can see him redeveloping that. He's trying to be more secure in the ball. And especially in centre midfield, we pushed him forward. We're now saying to him, get between the lines. And West Brom were fit, aggressive, strong and physical in the early parts of that game. When Ramsey was probably trying very hard to make that position work. And when he tries hard, what he tends to do is run forward too early. And I saw a number of occasions when I felt he was on Lacazette's line, when people trying to pass it into the box and then Ramsey comes across in front of Lacazette. When you want to leave that space for Lacazette to set you and then set you back, he just needs to calm down. When he feels really fit like this, that's when he's hard to sort of predict. But one thing I do know, he's a very forceful player. He pushes teams back by his running. That running has to come from deep. In my mind, I've always said this, Ramsey is a third midfielder, you know, and that, that's his role. He needs to be set free with two other people around him. So a defensive midfielder he, next to him and a number 10 ahead of him. Uh, well, or, or, two, or, or two behind him. But he's, he's almost like he's the third one in that, in that V but he on had, the left-hand so, side. So can I ask a question? I mean, because he had... He had two behind him on this day, and when the game started, it looked like he was playing a little more centrally, and Alexis was wider, and that that didn't work. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't uh, want to 
I saw I Ramsey taking him. up a position on the right quite a lot, Qu- quite out wide. He, he did start uh, to move right out wide. Get go. Yeah, he, he, okay. he was everywhere. He got he got the penalty from the left hand side. So he's a hard he's hard for us to track, right? Because he's everywhere, and eventually he started to move everywhere. And once he was set free, and West Brom started to tire, he came more into the game. It isn't a criticism. Every game is different. Every game presents different problems. But the uh, question was, you know, were you surprised about his inaccuracy? No, I'm not. He's never been technically secure. He's never been that player, has he? He's always been a risk taker. He's always been he's always been the one to make the silly five yard pass. But then he'll chip one from thirty yards or someone's toe. But he wasn't he super involved either. I mean, that's unusual for him. He's usually at the heart of everything we're doing, whether it's coming off for him or not. Yeah, I mean, I th- I thought. I've just started to like him in centre midfield, and trust me, that's been a long yeah. time coming. And I and I thought he did really well at Chelsea, really, really well. Looked strong against a strong midfield pair. I thought what what happened this game? He was a little bit vacant. Shaka was a bit vacant, and Monreal stepped into midfield a lot and progressed us up the play. And that's what's great about having ball playing centre backs who can recognise we need something else and step into midfield. Monreal had more touches than Ramsey did in this game. I mean, that tells you what he was doing. And he was pushing forward and having shots and crosses. It's just one of them games when West Brom targeted him, targeted that player. I think I would like to see Ramsey do that away from home and see how we feel then in a big game. At home, I I felt we really missed Ozil in that role. I thought we really missed his flow and creativity and his ability to find space. I think it was... I think we can... I, I felt... I felt we really missed him. I felt he's a special player. We missed him in those in those areas. He was perfect for today. And when West when West Brom pushed up, there was big distances for him to spring in behind. Ramsey tried to do it, but he hasn't got that speed that Ozil's got. But as always, when the game gets into the last half an hour, Ramsey finds these reserves of strengths. And the, and the same runs that he was making that looked slow earlier in the game, they suddenly have an effect. And they, like he got the penalty, little quick... Touch, touch around the corner, and he just drives his man. And he, if he'd done that in the first 10 minutes, he'd have got cleared out. But he's just got an amazing engine, and and he manages to affect games later on. Yeah, Paul, I mean, I, I definitely think that Ramsey grew into the game late on, and, and that's a great point. I mean, look, he is a player whose engine is tremendously important for us, um, especially when teams are going to press us, because to some extent we have to ride that out early and then we're going to have better chances late as they start to tire. I mean, you look at teams like Liverpool and Spurs and they have suffered in the, the last quarter of a game because of their style. And, and that's a place, a, a time in the match where Ramsey really comes alive. I mean, did you, do you think he grew into the match? Do you think he struggled to figure out where to fit into this system from that position? I think his his mission was to play between the lines. I mean, he was interviewed after the game. He said he was basically doing his Welsh role, uh, push further up, stand between the lines. He was never going to have a lot of time to begin with, a lot of time and space. He was likely to spill a few, uh, lose a few. Um, but what he does is he makes us more pointed. He makes those runs. He speeds our play. Uh, but there's a bit of risk. You know, he was involved in spilling that first ball, the, the ball over the top that caught Mustafi out for the near penalty. Mm-hmm. I think though, I think those are the risks we run with such a high line. That's the real downside of the approach. I th- Personally, I thought Ramsey was fine in the first half. It was just, it comes with the territory. They were going to have more energy, put more pressure on him, and he was going to be in that hottest of spots. 
kind of somewhat centrally between the lines in front of the center backs, Evans or whoever all over him. It was going to be a, a tough job, but a necessary job. I, I thought it was fine. I, I particularly liked El Nenny and Ramsey. I thought they swapped that a little bit. You'd find El Nenny pushed up. But that run where Ramsey knocks it forward to El Nenny and, and continues his run on into the box, and then El Nenny puts yeah. it through to. Uh, I think that's the one where he kind of runs the keeper. Uh, but one of those moves in, in the first half, I mean, it kind of shows you Ramsey dropping deep, El Nenny pushing forward. Uh, I liked it a lot more than you did. Uh, we often have that conversation, but it, it's kind of at the fundamental crux of the discussion. I actually thought it was working pretty well, apart from when we didn't get pressure on the ball or we, and we spilled the ball. And they mm. popped one over the top. I thought most of the time we looked pretty good, and it, it was not going to be easy, and I thought we did pretty well. Yeah, look, and, and by the way, I, it's not that I thought Ramsey was bad. It's just that when no. I dug into the numbers, I was surprised to see ha- that he was less so uninvolved by his standards and that I thought this would be a great position for him to drop yep. a little deeper, collect the ball, turn and run, or yeah. you know, when, when the ball got into Alexis and he did his dribble thing, run in behind and get into good spaces and... It just didn't materialize. Now, look, West Brom are a well-drilled side defensively. They pressed really aggressively for about an hour. Um, This wasn't meant to be an easy game. And in the end, we made it very comfortable. And a lot of that is down to the fact that we had a striker who took the chances he was presented with. And I I think for us to be this far into the pod and not be talking about Lacazette is a dereliction of duty. Uh, I think we should have Elliot out signs. Um, some kind of bin bag protest. Maybe put a bin bag over your iPod or something. Or iPod, listen to me, Grandpa. Your iPhone or whatever you listen to on your digital hovering device in your brain. Um, anyway, oh, wait. Clive wants to talk more about Ramsey. No. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. I'm the manager here, and I can't control my players. You know what? Just express yourself, Clive. Go out and express yourself. What, what, do, you, what do you want to say about Ramsey, buddy? No, I, I just think... I just think it- we we have an identity problem, and he has an identity problem. So as as fans, we debate what he is, right? So some people to maybe to him he thinks he's a, a Frank Lampard, but Frank Lampard's best period was in the left hand side of a midfield three, and not not empty in midfield in a two. Um, he thinks sometimes he thinks he's a Steven Gerrard. Again, he's a player that has the same sort of um, psychology as as Ramsey, but had far more speed and body power. So that's an interesting one, and then uh, you know some people think he he's good from the right hand side, like Freddie Lundberg, and I I think that's a very good comparison, where he comes from the right, blindside runs, great timing into the box, um, and it's all about what you think he is and what you think he can be. I've always wanted him to be much more like a Tony Cruz, play deeper, be calmer, show composure. And the thing, the thing about him, I, I criticise him probably more than any other player, but the fact we can even have this debate tells you how rounded he actually is. I think if we can just get him to decide what he is, then we can start to fit other pieces around him. Because I think sometimes he he gets caught between all those players, and, you, and I've missed out Meza Erzl in there, because sometimes I think he can play that role as well. When I think he needs to find his own identity, and then we know what he is, and then we can put pieces around him that actually suit him. I think we should start doing spin-off podcasts where we just do episodes about individual players. I, I, I feel we would not struggle <laughs> even remotely should. to fill that, to I could fill do, that out. I could do an hour, I could do an hour on Ramsey. You know easy, what? Easy, without you know even what? thinking about it. International break, we'll do a pod every day on a different player for 11 days. 
I, of course, won't be available, but, you know, you guys knock yourself out. Um, I'll, I'll be traveling. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, and so will the listener. Uh, so, Paul, we played with a striker. His name is mm. Alexander Lacazette. It yes, turns it out that all those people who told us that his goal tally was inflated because of all the penalties he scores can go fuck themselves right. because no. he's great at scoring penalties. And I've got no problem with that. Um, this wasn't a day where he was super involved, but he showed a lot of class. Um, Oh, really, touches, in, in everything he did, some of you know some of his touches, the nutmeg he pulled off. I mean, he's such an elegant player, and you know, I don't think I understood just how technically proficient he is. There was a moment you didn't, you didn't, you, probably not. Well, I don't. I tend to try to um, underestimate all of our players as much yeah. as possible, um, so that then when they screw up, I'm I'm fully prepared to go on a rant about them. But there was this one moment, and we wound up losing the ball. It didn't come to anything, but he he chested the ball around a defender from a long ball and it just yeah. a really like slick move to to get the ball you know one turn off his chest and and run and face goal and one of the things that I love that he does that Giroud really can't do is the way he's able to quickly turn and face goal and and it gives us so many more options but the story for him today is taking the chances uh Alexis with a quite brilliant free kick he is first to react and heads in and then he dispatches his penalty with no fuss i mean doesn't give it to Alexis, doesn't shy away from the opportunity, no weird run-up, just a perfectly placed ball in the lower corner. I mean, this is everything we want from our center forward, right, Paul? I mean, a guy who can yeah. participate in the buildup, but when these half chances pop up, he can put them away. Because I will say, on another day, this is one of those games that could have ended nil-nil, and you're just lamenting the little half chances here or there we could have had, because otherwise we didn't really create too many clear openings. Lacazette was the difference for us that uh, against West Brom. He was Lacazette uh, and uh, and Alexis sprinkled liberally around him. Uh, yeah, uh, his first touch is just sublime. Sublime. He's so clean, such a such a quick technical player, and never seems to be overly involved. Um, but you know, one of the problems with a striker who's overly involved in a game like that is it means he's probably d- dropping deep because we weren't putting many balls over the top and we were finding difficulty yeah, playing through the center. So your choice is a guy who's dropping deeper. And as uh, I tried to quote somebody a, a few pods ago, um, a manager saying, I don't want when being questioned about whether his, his striker gets involved in the game. Enough, and his point was: if my striker is that involved in the game, that's not really what I want. I want him in position to ghost in, so that, like, for this six-yard box opportunity where he heads it in, he wants the striker in position to do damage. He doesn't want him always in front of the centre backs, tapping the ball here, there, and ever everywhere. We, we've seen it with Giroud. Now, part of it is is speed and movement, but. The center backs always know where Giroud is because he's always involved. You know, he'll play a ball, he'll lay it off, and then he'll run. Well, they'll run with him. With Lacazette, uh, especially with a a first touch, he he can shoot past those center backs before they kind of really knew where he was before he received the ball. And then with a great first touch, he's past them. And we saw him do that a few times in this game where – they're they're not really sure who's tracking him because he hasn't been involved in the build-up. So I think it's a bit of a balance. We're never going to see him heavily involved, but what he does do in the build-up is all class, um, and I think he really helps cut through them. 
Um, I thought it was great. I I tell you what was interesting, the set pieces. So there was no doubt about who was taking this penalty. It was Lacazette. That's kind of interesting with Alexis in the team, Um, especially seeing the shenanigans with Neymar and co. Um, The the corners, the first corner, Alexis runs up to take that corner on the left-hand side. And you see Ramsey gesturing him really firmly. And I can't lip read, and it was the back of his head anyway. But Ramsey seemed to be gesturing Listen, pal, we have a plan, and you taking our corners isn't it. And Chaka comes up, and Chaka took all the corners from both sides, and often a short corner or a clever corner because of the height of the West Brom. Uh, and Sanchez was taking all the free kicks, uh, even the Quite ones brilliantly, that might have. Yeah, he was three great free kicks. So I thought it was kind of interesting with very clear roles, but also Ramsey stepping up to very firmly deal with uh, an Alexis improv moment. I like anything, um, Paul, that suggests that there's a plan in place. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like if, if we have a plan, that's a big step in the right direction. Yeah, uh, I think if you listen to Ramsey any time getting interviewed in the last uh, few games, he's been very firm on there being plans and and what his role was and and how it was all going to work. And I did have a flash of Ramsey as our future captain. Uh, just just there was just a moment where I thought it's going to be hard to do from whatever club he's sold to in the summer. Sure, cool. Yeah. As long as he sticks around, uh, you know, he's the guy who's going to. Between him and Chaka, but I really felt you, you could see it with Ramsey in, the, in that moment. Very firm, very strong, very clear on what the plan was. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's nice to see those defined roles. I, I think, you know me, I want to see that Alexis Ozil and Lacazette front three and get Ramsey yeah. back in the midfield with Shaka. I, I, you know, we're not going to see it against um, Bati Borisov on, on Thursday, obviously. I wonder if he'll bother breaking it out for Brighton right before the international break. But uh, I'm, lo- I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I'm also really en- enjoying these last few looks we've had in terms of our front three and our front. I want to see that flexibility. I want to see us mix yeah. it up a bit. Th- those two guys are off next year, so we don't need to, to uh, foster uh, a dependency smooth- on them. <laughs> yeah. Let- I- let's play the right lineup in the right games and if it's always Ozil and Alexis because they're in form and they're doing the business great but if Ozil looks like he's not an asset uh you know away from home or whatever the nature of the game might be great let's play Ramsey uh I I was pretty happy with this performance albeit at home if Alexis looks like he's a, a turnover merchant and his form has dropped or his fitness has dropped he doesn't get to play 90 minutes for 38 games. Let's yeah. move it around a bit. So I kind of liked what happened over the last couple of games, although I'm looking forward to seeing that front three you talk about. Yeah, well, I mean, Clive, look, I know you hate Lacazette and didn't want us to buy him. Um, have you changed opinion yet, or do you, is he still like your least favorite player? I don't think that's quite the case. Um, yeah, I think... Um, Shenanigans. Yeah, no, ser- seriously, I mean, you weren't sure this was the guy for us. I mean, is, has he won you over? Mm, yeah, he's won me over up to a point. I think he's a very important player for us. I don't think we've surrounded him with the right people yet, as, as we're alluding to. And uh, I think we have a, I think we have a problem in this team. You know, I'm sorry to be doomy and gloomy, right? But we got now we you're got speaking my language, brother. Let's do it. Yeah, where, where, are, we, where are we going? <laughs> well, we we got a problem, right? We've got a number of players in in Ramsey, Alexis, Ozil, 
particularly Shaka, and and even El Nenny, they've all they've either got they've even got contractual issues or limits to their talent. Right, so, and I think we've got decisions to make about which ones we buy into. If if we if we can even make that decision, because the rumours are that Ramsey's turned down the contract. We know the situation with Alexis and and, and Ozil, Shaka and Elneny. They're not, you know, if they turned up, we Yikes, went to Real Madrid away. This turned frosty. Well, sometimes you to you stay out of this pocket. <laughs> we need to sort of sit up and, and breathe for a second, right? And and say, well, actually, if we turned up at Real Madrid away with you know, um, no matter where Arsenal fans are, we like the players. We want to see the positives in them. But if we turned up, we all did away with with and Elneny. I don't think they're going to be too scared. So we have to set ourselves. We have to say, well, where are we going? Who does this? Do, who, where are we going? What is our standard? What is our team dynamic? And that's the thing that concerns me. I I felt we looked slow last night. I felt we looked slow in our thought process and slow across the ground. And was that with the players that we chose or the or the shape they were in? I hadn't felt that previously, but we looked slow. We didn't look, we looked like we had athletic limits and technical limits. And we wore them down by by having a special player in Alexis and just, we were fitter than them in the end. But I felt we looked slow for a period and we were dominated and, and they were encouraged. That concerns me because this isn't Man City, this is West Brom. Right, so so I look at the future of the team and say, what do we want the team dynamic to be? What do Arsenal represent at the moment? When we we come and earlier, I dismissed your point you made a couple of pods ago about teams that press us. I felt that we yeah, we fuck you about it. that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> but I'm going to come back and say I think you got a really good point, a really good point. All right, I like you. Jesus, West Brom, you're only making it worse. <laughs> well, if West Brom, let, let's, let's, how did you feel in the first half hour? Come on, guys, remember how it Pretty felt? Good. You were no, you, we, oh, we, we struggled with their press a little, and and, oh, and I, was, I was petrified. They had seven shots, and they had seven chances on against us in the first half. That's a lot for a home game, and uh, against West Brom, we expected to sit in. So yeah, I, I do look at the dynamic of the team, the speed, the physicality, and I look at the the speed of foot and the speed of movement, the speed of brain, I didn't see it. I really didn't see it for a period in that game. We sort of wore them down. They fell away once the goals went in. They sort of lost confidence. They started thinking about their next game. But I was not, I was pleased, but I was not convinced. And I'm not convinced that we are relevant as I want us to be. Uh, we're going to be relevant at the top end of the table. And that's just me thinking ahead and not being a moaning fan when we've won. I'm thinking ahead and seeing, and we could win the next five games easy. And I will still feel this way because I can see the limits within the team and I don't see a direction. We are pandering to certain players that I'm not sure are committed to us. And uh, we, we still need to fix that problem. Yeah, look, I mean, I think all of us would agree that our best midfield duo so far is Ramsey Shaka. And I don't think even the uh, most upbeat fan, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Pausing in My Pants, um, would suggest that <laughs> Ramsey Shaka is a flawless midfield duo. I mean, one thing I noticed about Shaka against West Brom, and it's becoming a problem, they really did a nice job of forcing him to receive the ball on his right. And when he does that, he is inept. Totally inept. He cannot turn quick enough. He cannot shift the ball. He is so one-footed. And you know, it's interesting because um, we criticize Jack Wilshire for being too one-footed. And, and Shaka... One-one-footed. Well, so what, what, one, what, one, what was that? 
So you said so two one footed. Oh, I get ah. Sorry, I thought I said so one footed. Two one, two one footed. One, <laughs> one one footed. You know what? Screw you both. Um, no, but but. <laughs> Shaq is really one-footed, and and when teams play him that way and shield him to his weak foot and press him onto his weak foot, he really cannot cope with that. It's where we miss Kazorla. The the fact that if you press him, he can wriggle out. He can use either foot to make the pass or dribble past you. You know, I I still think that that weakness in Shaka is a problem. And for El Nenny, it's the slow turning radius. It's the the conservatism. The 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 safe ability to receive the ball and give it back but not the ability to turn and face and break the press um that's why i thought we missed ozil though because ozil does make himself available in those spaces when when the midfield's being pressed he gives you that ball more than ramsey does who is looking to sprint forward we get the ball in midfield and ramsey's looking to sprint forward ozil is looking to find pockets of space between the lines um but clive your, your point is well made which is just that there is a, there is a vulnerability Thank there you. Well, you know, way, well made, but it's fatally flawed. Of course it is, Paul. <laughs> Bring it. Let, let, come on. Get, get, let's build the guy's confidence up a little bit. Um, no, I, look, I think, I think it, is, it is a team that maybe lacks balance and certainly lacks depth in midfield. And, and it will be a question, I think, throughout this season when teams challenge us in the midfield and when they add, add a third body to midfield, how do we handle that? Do we play with Iwobi and have him drop into midfield a little bit more like we did at... Chelsea? Um, do we go to a back four and try to win the midfield battle with three in midfield? I just don't know how effective we can be with Shaq and Ramsey giving the ball to Kolas and uh, Kolasinac and yeah. uh, Bellerin in the wide positions and having them get pinned against the touchline. It, it's, if West Brom can do it, the better teams can do it. Now, admittedly, as they lost their energy, the game became very easy. I thought the way we saw off the final 30 minutes was brilliant. You know, Arsenal don't like to make things comfortable for themselves. This is a team, you may remember, that blew a 4-0 halftime lead once upon a time. But this felt very, very easy once the second goal went in. And that was nice to see. Um, I think we should wrap up with a, a little bit of focus on, first of all, Tony Pulis being miserable. That was brilliant. I mean, look, he, he may have had a point, but that makes it even better. So, you know, I lo- love to see him miserable. As far as yeah. the Europa League coming up, I mean, the fact that we played on Monday makes it even more of a question. Paul, I am not of the opinion that we can get away with playing the side we played against Doncaster and winning in Bate Borisov. Uh, I don't think we can go to Belarus with that side and expect to get a result. Now, you may say it doesn't matter, and it may not, because honestly, I think we could lose that game and still be fine. But for you, given that it's Sunday, given that it's... Brighton, given that it's at home, given that there's an international break afterwards, do you think the manager will be tempted to put out a stronger side and put this Europa League group essentially to bed after two matches and and ride his luck a little bit? Uh, The luck he won't want to ride is in the league. Um, That's where the... He's just got his hand burned on the stove of another Arsenal crisis. And, but, and but that's Paul, the pain he'll be remembering. You you did hear straight from the manager's mouth that the Champions League has now lost its luster. So clearly, the Europa League is the premier competition now. Yeah, granted, good. Yes. Well, you probably have to step out of the comp- competition for a year to be able to say, you know, to, to have the perspective no, to see that. <laughs> well, just you know, it's tasteless to say it while you're in the competition. 
it's maybe yeah, it's a like going to someone's party and say, telling yeah. them that their house is shit. You have to wait until you yeah. leave their party to tell them their house is shit. Yeah, and it's not exactly a conversation we haven't had ourselves about kind of, you know, Tim Stillman in particular, put the blame on him, um, has made the point regularly that, you know, the Champions League is a, has been something of a profession for a while, a procession, sorry, for a while. Um, and... It, I always enjoy every aspect of it when we're in it, but I know what he's talking about. It it doesn't have the same level of excitement it, it L- let's has just say his timing is a little um ironic. But all right, look, an, yeah. an, enough about criticizing Arson for saying something stupid. We'd be yeah, here all day. So, so um, I think it's about all about the team. The, yeah. At this point, and, and I don't think there's any reason to panic about Bate Borisov. We're not in trouble there yet. We we could come back from there with a a stinging defeat or a a shit draw, but that hasn't happened yet. I th- I think he's got to rotate heavily, um, and he needs a fresh eleven on Sunday. And anything else would be foolishness. Okay, I mean, Clive, I know you agree because you think the Europa if the if the Champions League has lost its shine, the Europa League is uh, floating around my toilet bowl right now. So presumably, Absolutely. you'd you'd put out like whatever the weakest eleven we have available. I would make 11 changes, right? I would even hesitate. Just the 11? Because, yeah, just the 11. And, uh, and I would, we're playing Brighton at midday on the Sunday, right? So the turnaround is really short. So let's not mess about. We need to beat Brighton. So um, we messed up at Stoke. We need to beat Brighton. So, and, and Brighton are going to be tough. So um, Isn't that at home? Be like Am West I wrong Brown. about that? Yeah, Brighton are at home, yeah. We're at home, sorry, not okay. Brian at home, we're at home. So, but it's, it's a 12 o'clock start, right? So that's an early start, a quick turnaround. And and and, and Brighton are coming to the Emirates for the first time, so they're going to be buoyed, right? So um, I I just, I don't care about the Europa League, I do care about it, but I care more about staying in contact and being at the right end of the table. I think it's really important. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't like the fact that we're almost just not spoken about anymore unless we're in crisis we're not spoke about as a team that can be relevant to the top end so you're saying we need more crisis do i understand you correctly all right so just no, for the record just, clive feels that arsenal needs more crisis anything else to add we're not so, we're not we're just not spoken about in a serious footballing way nobody trusts us no one trusts us to be consistent no one trusts us our, our own fans we've got loads of us as fans waiting for the next crisis to come around the corner and it's I just don't like it. It's not a great way of um, of existing, right? So I want this to be positive as a fan, but I also want us to focus on the league. I think it's important we rebuild our position. I've said it before. We've got to rebuild our position. The Europa League is a distraction to me um, that we can get through with a, with a second team. We've got enough players in our books to get through it. So I don't care if we lose, we draw, I don't care. I'm just focusing on the next few league games and getting us back up that table so we can be more relevant to the next set of players we're gonna to need to come in because we got a little we got a little preview last night of a home game without Meza Ozil. We've had some games recently without Sanchez and they seem to go okay. But we're going to, those two players own our team dynamic going forward. They are our poster players, and they're both going to go. And I don't know what we're going to do to recover from that, especially they're both going for nothing. And we need to really think about that because it's going to affect our position. And as I said before, if you look at Ramsey, he's another one that could go. There are other players that could go. So I'm I'm looking at that. And the only way you can rebuild is by being a competitive in the league with the players that you have now. So... I think that's where my focus is. 
Yeah, I, look, I, I think the focus should be on the league. I think we've been handed an interesting situation with an international break coming up, with Brighton at home, to try to put the Europa League to bed. I mean, a win away in Belarus, you're going to fancy yourself, even with a lot of changes, to win your home games. Um, and I, I think Belgrade could be a tricky trip. So maybe you just say, I'm going to push the boat out a little bit here. I'm going to play a little bit more of the first team and, and kind of get hey, this over with. Right. Look, because here's the problem. I don't think you can play Maitland-Niles and, and Reese Nelson at wing back like you did against Doncaster and Holding and Chambers and Murdesacker. I think that back five, look, Bate Borisov may not be amazing, but it's an away game in Europe against a real team. This isn't Doncaster at home. Um, I just I don't know that you can get away with that back five. I think what he might do is make all the changes up front. Theo, Giroud, Iwobi, Wilshire. Um, maybe Maitland-Niles next to Wilshire. Who knows? But then try to mix in a little bit more reliability at the back. Maybe it's Kulashinats and, and Bellerin at wing back with a mix of Mustafi and Holding and Murdisak or something like that. I, I, I just don't know that you can go with that back five you used against uh, Doncaster and come away with it. And look, ultimately... He should have, probably switch to a back four. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, we, we look. We've discussed that. The second team doesn't suit a back three but what we saw from the Doncaster game is that he seems pretty resolved that he's going to play this way with his first team you know quote first team for the first team games no matter what so if he's going to stick with the back three I think he's going to have to stay with some first team uh defenders but we'll see I think I mean, he'll have to because Chambers is injured I think he will be maybe injured as well so I don't think we've got correct. enough players to have a complete turnaround but and so you're, you're probably right, Elliot. And what I hadn't taken into um, interview, I forgot about international break. So there is time for the players to get a bit of a breakaway. So um, yeah, and, and I think so Alexis we'll only plays one game over the international break, for example. But you know, the, the key guys, you know, guys like Bellerin and Kalashinats, where we don't really have alternatives. He may have to give them chance because because here's the other problem, right? If you go to Bate and you play a weak side and you lose. All you're doing is saying we're going to have to take some future Europa League game more seriously. And this comes between what should be a manageable fixture and an international break, right? Or before a manageable fixture. So if you take this one a little more seriously, then maybe buy yourself a game you can take less seriously when the fixtures get more congested and tougher a couple months from now. You see see what I mean? Um, I do. But but who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, you know... The shine is off the Champions League. Everyone's talking about the Europa League this year. So we really want to make a splash there. Um, uh, let's leave it there. We'll, we'll try to figure out a way to get a pod done uh, after that game on Thursday. Uh, and then another pod after Brighton. And then Clive and Paul will do the 11 uh, individual pods during the international break to cover each one of our starting 11 players. Um, and, and maybe a couple for the for the bench. Uh, okay. So you can find Paul on Twitter at Pausing in My Pants. Thanks, Paz. Woohoo. Uh, Clive's on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. Tim is in Belarus. So if you are in Belarus, you can see the god of Twitter himself, uh, Tim, but he will be back for a pod in the near future. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Hey, do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. And you guys are doing so great. So I went and looked at some of the reviews, and they couldn't be nastier. And, and it's perfect. It's exactly what we're asking for. Granted, not as nasty towards Clive as we've been kind of saying, but... Fine, you know, still nasty enough, which is good. But the five star reviews are there, and we appreciate that. And we hope that you will continue to do that. You can always unsubscribe, resubscribe, redownload, do all that stuff, uh, manipulate the figures, and then we can collect all of the non ad revenue that we don't actually earn. In any event, uh, yeah, we must have uh, uh, Ivan Gazidis making our commercial deals. Uh, so we will be back after a trip to Belarus. 
uh, where Clive can tell us how he's not fussed at all by our 3-0 loss. Uh, we look forward to talking to you then. Cheers. Goodbye. Goodbye.